Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Elliot Confidential Podcast. My name is Aaron, and I'm here with my father, Christopher Elliot. Hello. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Today, we are still in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and we've had an interesting week, haven't we? Week or, two. Or maybe hasn't been so interesting. It's a, the pre-week, the pre-carnival week. Yes. You can feel the anticipation in the air. People are about to go a little crazy here. Just to give you an idea of how it is here, we were checking out from a, a car for, because they have those here in Brazil, yeah. and people were checking out with so much alcohol. I couldn't believe it. There was a cart just full of beers, vodka, whiskey. Brazilians love their alcohol. And in three <laughs> yes. days from the point where we're recording this on February 9th, February 12th is the beginning of Carnaval. Carnaval, yeah, you said that very well. Yeah, uh, I've never experienced anything like it, but um, that does bring us to the question of the week. This week, we really want to know about your experience of going to a place where the main event was going on. I mean, Carnival in Rio, Mardi Gras in New Orleans, Fantasy Fest in Key West. Um, Every city has a thing. We were in Melbourne when they had the Formula One race. That seemed to be the big yeah. thing then. And you know, I remember when we were in Basel and they had uh, Basel, uh, Switzerland, yeah. and they had the Ebstmesse and then they had uh, the Weihnachtsmarkt, uh, yeah. whatever it was. It's a, a one-two punch of festivities. Yes. Herbstmesse, Weihnachtsmarkt. And yeah, yeah, that was fun. Good food. They so, love their food there. <laughs> so tell us about where you were and what that main event was. Yeah. What was the big thing that you, you know, if you were in town for something? You know, we, we were in Dubai during the World Fair. Yeah. Uh, and that was a pretty interesting event. And I wrote yeah. about that, actually. I did a story for Forbes. Anyway, tell us your stories. We want to know about them, yeah. please. And so now, without further ado, let's talk about Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo. Yeah. Yep. I don't say that very well. I should probably say that, Aaron, you speak pretty good Portuguese. So uh, you've been able to be my interpreter. Navigate. Navigate, yeah. A little bit. No one here speaks English. Yeah, it's a bit of a problem. But you know what? I think that I'm really happy that I decided to learn Portuguese mm -hmm. and some Spanish too because... You know, knowing a little bit of Portuguese helps you get around. But I can tell you this, not knowing Portuguese or knowing when not to use your Portuguese and instead pretend you're the gringo uh -huh. is also very important. Like we had this guy come up to us while we were standing in front of our, our place and he just started, uh, he was trying to sell something and then we said, sorry, don't speak any Portuguese, <laughs> which was true in my case. Anyway, here we are and uh, the, the main event is about to start. If you can imagine, I know it's kind of hard because if you're listening to this and you're in the Northern Hemisphere, it's the dead of winter. But if you can imagine, it's the middle of summer down here. And it's warm every day, it's warm. And now comes this big festival. It's the festival to end all festivals, Carnival. Uh, Sao Paulo has a pretty big parade that happens, but the real main event happens in Rio de Janeiro. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and people, honestly, uh, I, I wanted to meet up with some people and they said, no, we, we can't meet up until after uh, Carnival. <laughs> That's how seriously they take it here. So what they do is they block off um, entire blocks and they have a party. Yeah. And it lasts, you know, all night long. 
Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens, I think. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. So what have we done here for the past week, Dad? I'm glad you asked, Aaron, because we have taken a walk and explored our neighborhoods. We're in a neighborhood called Itaim. And Itaim Bibi. Yeah, everyone just calls it Itaim. And uh, it's a, a really nice place. And uh, you, know, we don't, you can walk through the neighborhoods, not a lot of crime. In fact, no crime at all uh, that we could see. And then there's a park, mm -hmm. um, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name, but it's a beautiful big park. And in the park, there is a museum that we had the pleasure of visiting. Actually, more than one museum, but we only visited one. And that would be the Afro-Brazilian Museum. And uh, it's all about the uh, African experience in Brazil. So there's art, there's exhibits, there's even a, a full-size slave ship. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty edifying, but there was a lot of good art there too. Yeah, um, we'll post some pictures from the museum. It's t totally worth it if you're going to be in uh, Sao Paulo is to go to this place. Anyway, um, there are a lot of museums here, so we're going to check out some more while we're here. Um, but the other thing that we've done while we're here is we've discovered the food. And one of my favorite discoveries have been the maracujá, the yeah. passion fruit which actually originates in Brazil. I never knew this. So it is a uh, passion fruit grows on a vine and you can find it everywhere. We have had some amazing passion fruit experiences in Hawaii, but my favorite passion fruit so far has been uh, in Madeira, the Portuguese island of Madeira. They have, very, they have smaller, very tasty passion fruits, but here they're huge. They're just these massive, like I'll post a picture, massive passion fruit and uh but very popular everyone's buying them yeah yeah and it's a really incredible experience you know these are massive passion fruits they have a great flavor they're a good price they're about a buck and a half a pound um which is a really good deal um considering especially in the united states they're quite expensive even in hawaii you know the cheapest passion fruits you're going to get are the ones that are falling on the sidewalk those are free actually we, when we lived on the big island, we would go take a walk and we would pick up passion fruits from the pavement and bring them home and eat them. And they were very, very good. The thing about passion fruits that I didn't realize is you really have to put them in the refrigerator once they're off the vine because they go bad pretty fast. Mm -hmm. But they are delicious. And what I like about the Brazilian ones is they're tart, but not too sweet. And they're just, uh, the flavor is so it's impossible to, to fully describe the flavor. You just have to try it. Mm -hmm. I've never had anything like it before. And you can't really export them to other countries because uh, the passion fruits just don't last that long. No. So this can't. is the only place you can really get them. Yeah. And it's a, it's a real privilege to be able to have access to that. The other thing that we've discovered is the bread. Um, never thought that I would say, oh, the Brazilians have good bread, but they do have good bread. You know, I was thinking because I'd learned, been learning Portuguese for a long time and uh, I talked to people about the bread in Brazil and, you know, they said, oh, French bread, it's a baguette, right? And I thought, oh man, it's just going to be like other South American countries where you have a white bread that sort of is dry and, and not that great. Mm -hmm. You know, sort of Mexican bread. And yeah, but the I, ciabatta I actually was pretty good. In, ciabatta uh, is in, good. But, when we were but, in, in Chile. But I think that there's a stereotype that it's sort of just like this dry, 
um, soulless bread that looks nothing like you would ever buy in Europe. It's sort of like British bread. You know, it's, <laughs> okay. it's the bread that's, and that's put into a, a loaf bread. Right, you make toast out of yeah, it. Yeah, you make toast out of it. Put marmalade on top. Marmalade, Marmalade. Yes. But in any case, you had essentially British bread except worse. And that was the stereotype I had. And, you know, look, actually it hasn't disappointed for some of these countries that we visited. But here we discovered a good place for bread. And I'm yeah. very happy to say... We have a couple of places. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, uh, they take their bread pretty seriously here. They like um, French bread. They like, you know, they have a very good European bread scene here. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly. I thought that we would just get, you know, like um, Mexican bakery type bread. But, uh, yeah. but no. They, mm. it's, it's good. It's very, very good, yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the uh, Brazilians that we've met so far? I think that the Brazilians we've met have been nice so far. Brazilians seem to be very... Uh, warm people, if that's the word that you'd like to use to describe them, although I think that's a little bit cringy. Um, Brazilians have been nice. They um, are very outgoing and very loud. And, yes, uh, they, they, are, uh, they are very expressive. Yeah. Um, you know, you walk down the street and people are yelling at each other, but not necessarily in a hostile way. It's not, not like uh, there's a fight going on. Mm-hmm. And they have a very different concept of personal space. I have been touched by many Brazilian people. Yeah, they get up right close. I mean, I was, I've been watching Brazilians interact with each other, and they're like inches from each other. Mm-hmm. And, and not in, like a, in an aggressive way, but you could never tell. And then also, uh, I, was, I was sitting in the lobby of our apartment, and I was, you know, the Brazilians coming downstairs and leaving, they were just like really chatty. They wanted to talk to the security person. They yeah. want to know how he's doing. I remember we were walking by this one, uh, this one home that had a private security right there, private security little box, and, you know, make sure everything is good. And one of the women who uh, was uh, ostensibly uh, inhabiting the home brought out a lemonade for the security man. It's like, oh, well, that that's very nice. nice. Yeah. I think that you touched on something there that we, we probably will come back to at some point, which is the security situation here. Brazil is like... A lot of Latin America, they have high walls, high fences, with prison-grade barbed wire fences. And you see that throughout the city. It's something that's very jarring. If you come from the United States, you're just not used to seeing this. We don't have high walls. There are, you know, in our communities, there are laws that you can't build walls higher than a certain amount. Here, the walls are so high, you can't see over them. And the other day we were walking past a construction site where they were building a new apartment and I could have sworn they were building a moat. Oh, wow. And what are they going to do? Fill it with water and put piranhas in? I don't know. Crocodiles. Crocodiles, yeah. So it is a very different thing. That said, the neighborhood that we're in is pretty safe. The rest of Sao Paulo, you know, it's hit or miss. You have some areas that are not so safe. And we got lost in one of those places um, before, but... And then you have other areas that are very, very safe, and people know where not to go. Yep. And the tourists don't know, so it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So we're just a few days, really, away from our main event here, and next week we'll let you know what happened, if we're still here. I mean, I, I don't know what to expect, frankly. I know that there's a parade. I think we might try to go to part of the parade, but... I also know that we're not going to go out after dark because 
I mean, I'm not going on. Maybe you will, Aaron, but I'm not going on after No dark. way, no way. <laughs> I just, I'm, not, I'm not like that. Yeah, I, I, it's just, I'd rather live to see another day. Um, and we don't know if, you know, being in a neighborhood that's safe could turn unsafe at any moment because of, you know, people out partying or whatever. So I just, you know, I don't want to do that. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, we may get some good pictures from Carnival. We will send those. I will post those next week. But in the meantime, last week's question, before we get to your answers to last week's question, which was, if you didn't have the passport that you had, which one would you want? Uh, let's repeat this week's question. This week's question was, where have you been where you were there for the main event? So uh, what sort of event were you going to and where was it and what experiences did you have? So this could be something like Mardi Gras, Carnival, Erbstmesse, Weihnachtsmarkt, any Christmas market in any part of Europe, um, any holiday. I know that in India they have some crazy holidays that they do. Uh, and, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Dolly, where were they? Uh, Dalia, what? I don't know. Where they yeah. throw paint at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, they throw paint. I, so yeah, tell us about your experiences and we will include you in the next podcast. Yes. All right. So last week, our question was, from which country would you like to have had a passport if you didn't have the passport you currently have? Which is a complicated question. Jim says, Canadian without a moment's hesitation. Yeah, Canadian passport is uh, definitely a good thing. Uh, you know, Canada is a safe country. Canada is a relatively wealthy country. It's a nice place, a nice refuge if the politics in the United States get crazy although I hear that it's getting crazy there too so <laughs> I got into trouble one time I was doing a live interview with a TV station in LA and they asked me what my tips were for staying safe and I said uh, well you can always just tell them that you're Canadian <laughs> <laughs> but it's true I know a lot of people who if they're stopped somewhere and asked are you American they'll say no no I'm Canadian because they don't want to, and especially in the last couple of years, our politics have not won us very, very many friends. Um, you don't want to be identified as, a, as an American. So mm -hmm. yes, Canadian. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't ask to see the passport. I think that would have been a big problem. Manzi says, Irish passport, free travel in Schengen and UK, pretty straightforward for most countries. Yes, Irish would be great. We actually have some Irish ancestry. I think everyone has a little Irish ancestry. Yeah. And, uh, but you, you can only get it if it was like one or maybe think, I think two generations ago. I know some people have missed their Irish passports by one generation, which is too bad. But yeah, being in the Schengen area is great because you could live anywhere in Europe, you could visit anywhere, none of that uh, 90 days. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, being able to stay in Schengen for as long as you want is, is great because uh, we've run up against that 90 day uh, that 90-day limit. Yeah, we do. And the problem is Europe is, is a huge, really, it's a really big continent. It's 28 countries in Schengen. And it's a lot of cities. And so, you know, you have to go from there to like North Africa or to some, uh, you know, some other country that's not a part of Schengen. No, well, little known region. fact is that you can actually go to the UK and do your six months there and then come back to Schengen. I know. So it's six months in the UK. Why not? I like London. It's a, it's a small, small place to be. But you can always go to Ireland. I mean, is Ireland? Yeah, no, you can do it in Ireland too. Yeah, you yeah. can do Ireland, yeah. 
Larry says Switzerland or Portugal. Ah, Swiss passport. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I don't think, uh, I think you have to actually renounce your American citizenship if you want to become a Swiss citizen, but it is possible. Tina Turner did that. Yep. Wow, there's a lot of Ireland's, a lot of, one Singapore, Adrian says Singapore. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, I wonder how strong the Singaporean passport is. Well, there was a list. I actually did a piece on the strongest passports, and it turns out the Gulf states, uh, UAE, and I think Qatar also, have very powerful passports, but only in the sense that you can get into a lot of countries with the passport where you don't need a visa. The U.S. passport was still pretty strong, but you know some of the smaller, like the micronations, have really strong passports because they uh, they're neutral. You know they don't really. Mm-hmm. You know you're not going to have Malta is not going to invade another country. So no. having a Maltese passport is is good. And I think that's what uh, right here actually PM Dunn said that they would want um, a Canadian passport or a Maltese passport like Jason Bourne. I don't know. Jason oh. Bourne had a Maltese passport. I didn't know he had a, Mal- a Maltese oh, passport. Talking about fictitious I think he people. had like several passports, but. As um, he has uh, theoretically unlimited passports. Yes. I was reading a story about how the Maltese diplomatic passport is the rarest passport on earth. Only 100 people have it. But, well, I don't know. Would you want to have a Maltese diplomatic passport? I think having a diplomatic passport is actually a really good thing because you, you get access to more things. You get, you know, at the airport, there's a special line and it's open for diplomats yeah. as well. So. And you have diplomatic community too. You can just brandish it and go, I have diplomatic community as you remove the murder weapon from the uh, victim. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been great hanging out with you for another episode of the LA Confidential Podcast. We will be coming to you again next week from Sao Paulo with a full report on Carnival, which will still be going on. It goes on until the end of this month. Yep. It's a whole month of February. So maybe I'll have some pictures with body paint, things like that. Crazy Mm -hmm. Brazilians running around. We'll try to only give you the the G-rated version. Anyway, as they say here, ciao, ciao. Ciao.